and welcome to the podcast version of COS Live, a weekly program keeping you up to date on the Article 5 movement working to reclaim liberty in America. You can watch the original live broadcasts on Convention of States Rumble, YouTube, Facebook, and X. And now, here's COS Live. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of COS Live. I'm Rita Peters. I serve as the Senior Vice President for Legislative Affairs with Convention of States Action, and I will be your host for today's edition. He serves Minnesota as a state legislator, and he also served as a commissioner at last month's Article 5 simulated convention. He made a speech regarding term limits on the floor of the convention that actually drew applause from his fellow commissioners. Representative Walter Hudson will join us to share his reactions from that special event and give his thoughts on term limits. Stick around until the end of today's episode for COS Live Mailbag, and if you drop us a comment or question below, you might just be the one featured on the next edition of COS Live Mailbag. But right now, we're going to go to Mike Ruthenberg for our Article 5 Trivia Giveaway. Mike? Hello, Rita. It is great to see you. It is great to be here, everybody. And it is an exciting time because Constitution Week is coming. September 17th through the 23rd commemorates the Constitution and is being signed by the delegates in Philadelphia in 1787. So it's a really important time right now. Hopefully you're ready and you're sharp enough in our trivia today to win a t-shirt. As a matter of fact, I'm going to give away this one. It's my favorite one. It is called the uh, the True American. That's what it's called. I wear it all the time. As you can see, sometimes I wear it as a T-shirt underneath my other shirt. And I love to have my COS close to my heart. The Constitution Week is coming. It'll be the 17th through the 23rd of September. It's a week. It's a great time for educating people, for sharing about Article 5. And, you know, on September 15th, when the delegates were finalizing the Constitution at the Constitutional Convention, one delegate from Virginia stood up to declare that there was a fatal flaw with the document, specifically how Article 5 was drafted at the time. His speech left the other delegates speechless, and they unanimously agreed to add the convention method of proposing amendments along with congressional approval. My question, who? was the delegate at the 1787 convention whose speech led to the convention method being included in the final version of Article 5. That's my question. I'll come back and answer it at the end. Hopefully you have it and you're typing away right now. We love it when you guys are interacting with what's going on and uh, some of the things that are happening in COS. So right now I'm going to turn it back to Rita and I'll see you guys at the end of the show. Walter Hudson is a state representative in the Minnesota House of Representatives. Representative Hudson, welcome to the program. Glad to be here. Appreciate the opportunity. Let's start, if we could, by having you just tell us a little bit about yourself, namely what made you want to run for office in the Minnesota legislature and what drives you to serve the country in this way in public office? 
I've always had a very strong uh, impulse towards uh, protecting individual rights. A lot of that has to do with my personal story, my background. I came from a family um, that uh, was in a very niche culture. I won't go into the details, but um, it, it they definitely suppressed individuality and tried to um, get you to conform to the group in a, in a pretty significant way. And so when I broke away from that as a young adult, I kind of had to rebuild my entire worldview from scratch. When you go through a process like that and you, you utilize your reason and your perception to discern what is true and what is false, what is right is what is wrong. Um, unsurprisingly, you end up coming up with a conservative worldview because uh, our, our side is the side um, that recognizes objective reality and uh, moral truth that emerges from that. Um, and so I was always very political, very interested in politics. I caught on to Rush Limbaugh when I was in high school and never stopped, never looked back. Uh, wanted to be on talk radio myself and got to fulfill that to some extent um, with a show that I had locally here for about three years. And when the opportunity presented itself to run, um, the redistricting has a way of reshuffling the pieces on the game board. Um, and an open district presented itself, and I took advantage and uh, stepped up, threw my name in the hat, and the good folks here of Alperville and the surrounding area were kind enough to represent them. Wow. Well, we are so glad that you are there serving the people of your district and indeed your state and the nation. Um, so thank you for your service. Now, earlier this month, you were part, actually, no, it's September now. So last month, you were part of the Minnesota delegation at Convention of States Foundation's 2023 Article 5 simulated convention that was held in Colonial Williamsburg, Virginia. What did it mean to you to be invited to participate in that event? And why did you want well, it was a tremendous honor to be thought of, right? I mean, uh, I don't have the exact number off the top of my head, but I, I know there's quite a few options that were available um, of folks to be tapped and asked uh, to, to come as a state legislator from Minnesota and be part of that contingent. And so the fact that um, I was one that was approached initially was quite the honor. And of course, I've followed, I've, I've been a fan of Mark Meckler going back to the Tea Party days. That's when I first started getting involved in a meaningful way in politics. And so um, due in, in part to, to his association with Convention of States, but then just also having my ear to the ground politically for a number of years, I was very well aware of the Article 5 process and a lot of the debate surrounding it. Um, and so I was excited about the prospect of being able to model what a convention process would look like and to really to gain some firsthand experience that I could then bring back here to Minnesota and share with folks to make the case for not only why this should happen, but how it functionally could happen and that there's, there's very little uh, in the way of rational objection to moving forward with a process like this. Mm. Yeah, I want to get back to um, the process in, in just a moment. But before I do, I want to get a little bit more specific. Your remarks uh, on term limits during the final plenary session of the convention drew applause from the other commissioners in the room and no doubt from everyone who is watching as well. This has been a big topic for a long time where so much power seems to be centralized 
in the members of Congress who spend 30 or 40 years in D.C. And just last week, Mitch McConnell had yet another health scare, but there seems to be no sign that he'll step down. Dianne Feinstein's health has also been a question of concern, but you drew attention to what government actually is. You said the government is not elected officials. Can you explain what you mean by that? Yeah, well, I, it's it's quite alarming to see, and you cite some of the most foremost examples. I would add Joe Biden in the mix um, of folks who seem functionally incapable of doing the job. And what's alarming about that is that somehow their offices still function, right? Which raises the question of, well, who's running them? Like, if they're not capable of doing Diane Feinstein needs to sign over power of attorney to her daughter in order to manage her personal affairs. How is she managing as a U.S. senator? And the logical answer, the obvious answer, is that her office is being run by underlings, it's being run by staff. And in a similar fashion, at every level of government, um, you have folks who are not elected, who are not accountable to the people, whether it's bureaucrats, administrators, staff members, hirelings. Um, who are often very influential in terms of guiding policy. I had a conversation with a county commissioner here in, in my home just last night who was describing the exact same phenomenon at the local level of the amount of influence and power that staff can have over policy when nobody elected them. They're not accountable to anyone. They don't have to go knock on any door. And so that's where you're, the, the true power of government, as it has metastasized over the years, that's where the true power lies, is in all these folks who never have to look you in the face to answer on a ballot. And so the, the impulse term limits of the, of the three things that an Article 5 Convention of States in its current iteration, the resolution that's been going around and support, mm -hmm. of the three things that that Article 5 Convention wants to accomplish, term limits is the thing that I'm most conflicted about. And it's for this reason. If we only limit the terms of Congress, of the Senate and the House of Representatives, and we don't address the deep state, the rot bureaucracy, and the fact that you have effectively lifetime appointees in the form of all these folks who draw a paycheck from the state but never have to answer to anybody. If we don't do anything about that, then are we really functionally, meaningfully limiting the, the real problem, the scope and depth of government? I don't think we are. And so that term limits portion has to address um, that portion, the unelected bureaucracy, in order to be truly effective, in my view. Yeah, you make such a great point. I actually couldn't agree with you more. And in fact, that is the very reason that in our Article 5 application, the Convention of States Action, Article 5, the model application that 19 states have already passed, um, the the term limits part is written in such a way that the convention could impose term limits not only on members of Congress, but also on bureaucrats. Love the, that about it. There are other Article 5 efforts out there that only would allow for setting term limits for members of Congress. So this one really um, sets ours apart. And I think it's, it's very significant and important for people to know that. 
Let's talk about the process again for a minute. You know, one of the reasons Convention of States Foundation wanted to organize another simulation, this was the second one we've done, was to demonstrate what that process would look like. Because not only has there never been an Article 5 convention in our lifetimes, but it has never happened yet in American history. However, what a lot of people don't understand is that there have been over 40 interstate conventions in American history, just not under Article 5. But most people aren't familiar with what an interstate convention is or how it works. So I want to get your take on how the process operated at the simulation. And were you surprised by anything? For instance, I was surprised that the president of the convention was challenged from the floor, which is something that didn't happen back in 2016. So how did you think it worked? Were you surprised by anything? Well, the thing that I was most surprised by, and this, this resounds to the positive, the thing that I was most surprised by, and you cite an example of it, a, a contested presidential election for who's going to preside over the, the convention, was how seriously everybody took it. I mean, those commissioners, if you had dropped in off the street with no context or explanation, somebody would have had to tell you that this is not a real convention. Because from the look of it, from the aesthetic, and certainly from the professionalism and the seriousness with, with which all parties, all commissioners and staff and everyone who was involved um, was taking this process, people clearly cared about truly modeling what this process could look like. And, you know, you, you hear a lot of scaremongering about what could potentially happen and that the whole concept of a runaway convention and things getting out of hand. Having sat in both the state legislature and previously I served here on the city council, the city in which I live, I have a lot of experience with process and I've been involved in the political party here, the Republican party here. So I've gone to a lot of conventions. We know how to do this. Like this is, we're not reinventing the wheel. Um, the, the process through which you organize a convention, determine the agenda, establish the rules, govern the presiding of the convention, that it's, it's tested, it's tried, it's true. We've, we've done it in dozens of other ways, whether it's in a political party or at the local level with a city council or in state legislatures. It happens all the time, every year. We know how to do this. Mm-hmm. So it sounds like you take a lot of comfort from the fact that um, at an Article 5 convention, it is likely that most of the delegations would would be made sitting or former state legislators. After all, the reason this process was put into Article 5 was because the founders wanted to give the states and specifically the state legislatures a way to bypass Congress and proposing needed amendments. So you think it's a good thing. It sounds like you think it's a good thing um, that a lot of state legislators would be the ones at the convention because they know the legislative process so well. I would agree with that. But is that is that what you're saying? Yeah, absolutely. Including being comfortable with the committee process. So mm-hmm. we had a truly astounding 48 hours to do to make a very heavy lift right in terms of meeting the obligation 
of what a Article 5 convention would actually be. Now, the actual process would probably take weeks or months even potentially, but even within that short amount of time of 48 hours, because most of us are either current or former state legislators, um, we're familiar with how the committee process works. We understand that it's a funnel where a, a lot of ideas end up getting poured into the top. You know, here in Minnesota, we had over 3,000 bills used this last legislative session. Um, and of course, nowhere near that were actually heard in committee or made it to the floor or ultimately got passed and signed by the governor. That's the way it works. And so being familiar with that process of how things get whittled down, um, how priorities are set, how policy is discussed, deliberated, debated, and finally arrived at, uh, I think is something that every state legislator has some degree of familiarity with. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So um, let me take you back to the final day of debate in plenary session. What are some highlights or, you know, give us at least one highlight for you of that final day of debate or maybe your your favorite amendment proposal? Well, I really felt like it was it was great how everyone um, came together ultimately uh, to pass things that we recognize. Like there was a certain point at which the temperament shifted in the room where there was a lot of frustration about things not being just so not being the way that would function in the real world and at a certain point and it may have been that moment that you highlighted where i, I got up and talked about um the democracy being the actual source of the trouble when it comes to term limits we read that this is this is a simulation and we're not necessarily going to arrive at the perfect language in this moment, but it's important to signal to folks at home and to the folks who are watching what our intentions are and what, what we would be driving and ultimately aiming at. And once that sentiment kind of filled the room, um, we were able to function in, in a, in a, in the, with the efficiency that was required in the moment. Um, and I think, again, that's very reflective of the fact that even though there were very sharp disagreements, I mean, and there were, there was some deeply held, and that was another thing surprising to me is the extent to which you would think that folks that come to this process with the goal of achieving these three broad things would be more or less in agreement about how they should be achieved. But there was meaningful, substantive disagreement on the particulars, and yet we were able to respectfully sort through all of that, resolve differences through the process, and arrive at these proposals. I think it was ultimately six proposals that came out um, of the convention uh, that were able to get around and all stand up in a standing ovation and applaud the day. That was a remarkable moment. Yeah. Well, you know, the simulation was all about showing that, yes, we know how the process works. Yes, it can be done just as the framers envisioned, but all of this is in, you know, an effort ultimate goal of calling the first ever Article 5 convention to restrain federal power. What is your hope for what comes from the real convention once we get to that point? And how important is this movement for America? It's deeply important. It's deeply important. Minnesota, I'll make it local just to let you know how practical this solution is. 
we have a Democrat trifecta here in Minnesota right now. Democrat governor, Democrats in the majorities in both the House and the Senate. This last session, we went into it with a $17.5 billion surplus. Wow. The Democrats spent everything of that, and they raised taxes by $10 billion. Wow. And they increased the state budget by 40%. All of this is completely unsustainable. The reason why they were able to do that is because much of that $17.5 billion surplus came in the form of one-time money that was granted federal government under the auspices of the pandemic. Mm -hmm. The feds in recent years have just opened the spigot in terms of printing money and being completely irresponsible um, with the value of your dollar and mine. The only way, I, the analogy that I use is it's kind of like a hose that's hooked up to your house, right? And the feds are the faucet at the house, and then the states are the actual trigger at the end of the hose. Hmm. The only way we're able to be as reckless as we've been here in Minnesota is because the feds have been as reckless as they've been at their level. If we're able to turn the faucet off at the house, then that will preclude the states being as some of them have been in terms of their spending. The, the, the source of the problem is the federal government because they control monetary policy. They control how much money is injected into the system. And so the importance of being able to put a control on that, put a limitation on the ability feds to just recklessly do whatever they want be overstated in terms of the impact that it will have on states being able to proceed responsibly moving forward. Absolutely. Representative Hudson, we are about out of time, but if our viewers want to learn more about you or follow your work, find out what you're doing in the Minnesota legislature, what's important to you for this coming session, where can they go to find out more about you? I'm very active on Twitter. You can find me there at Walter Hudson. Very simple. Like I say, Twitter is probably the best. I spent a lot of time, there, a lot of content, including stuff about convention dates. And so uh, that's where I would direct people. Great. Thank you so much for being so generous with your time with us today. And thank you for your service. Soda. Thank you. And with that, we will go back to Mike for our Article 5 Sir, Mike. Thank you, Rita. Well, I sincerely hope that you guys have enjoyed this show, this version of COS. It's always certain that you're going to get some great nuggets when you come to this. And the one that I tried to bring to us via our quiz was to what had to do with who inspired the second provision of Article 5. And I'm giving away one of these cool t-shirts, the True American, that's available at shopconventionestates.com, that this one has just a great price. And this one's my favorite shirt. I hope that you'll get one and find it not only good to wear alone, but as an undershirt as well. Okay, so my question was, as you remember, they were finalizing the convention uh, the 17th is when they finalize it on the 15th, September 15th, 1787. The, uh, there was a delegate who stood up and he declared that there was a fatal flaw in the document, specifically how Article 5 was drafted at the time. His speech left the other delegates speechless and they unanimously agreed to add the convention method 
of proposing amendments along with congressional approvals, so those two methods. The question, of course, was who was that delegate at 1787 convention whose speech led to the convention method being included in the final version of Article 5? The answer, I, I know many of you got this answer. It doesn't surprise me one little bit. And that was Colonel George Mason of Virginia. Mason's influence at the Constitutional Convention was invaluable, particularly concerning discussion and debate about the me mechanisms for amending what would become our Constitution. The notion that the states, without interference from Congress, would have the ability to rebalance constitutional order was presented as part of the Virginia Plan, which was authored by James Madison and heavily influenced by George Mason. Some delegates to the convention believed that any such provision was unnecessary. However, as Madison noted in his notes of debates of the federal constitution of 1787, and I quote, Colonel Mason urged the necessity of such a provision. The plan now to be formed will certainly be defective as the Confederation has been found on trial to be. Amendments will therefore be necessary and it will be better to provide for them in an easy, regular and constitutional way than to thrust to the chance of violence. It would be improper to require the consent of the national legislature because they may abuse their power and refuse their consent on that very account. And on September 15, 1787, George Mason realized the framers of the U.S. Constitution had made a terrible mistake. According to James Mason's notes, Mason believed that the people needed a way to amend the Constitution if Congress were to ever become oppressive. <laughs> Imagine that. As it stood, the Constitution only allowed Congress to propose amendments. Colonel Mason thought the plan of amending the Constitution exceptionable and dangerous. No amendments of the proper kind would ever be obtained by the people if the government should become oppressive, as he verily believed would be the case. The rest of the framers agreed. They adopted the Convention of States option into Article 5 of the Constitution in a unanimous vote. That's unheard of. What a wonderful validation for what we are advocating for right now, to be able to use this provision put into our Constitution, unanimously agreed on by our founders, in order to bring that oppressive, overpowered federal government back into the box that our Constitution brought along. So there's our little story for the day. I hope you enjoyed it, and many of you I know this isn't the first time you've heard it, but I'm going to turn it back over to Rita to finish out the show. Thanks for being here, you guys. Thanks, Mike. Now it's time once again for the COS Live mailbag. These are messages and questions from viewers just like you. And if you want to be featured on an upcoming edition, then drop us a comment on YouTube, Facebook, or Rumble. We love to hear from you. Our first question comes from Jean Kubley Strait. Jean says, is there an active group in Washington State? Well, Jean, I'm so glad you asked. I am very proud to say that we have an active, organized volunteer network in every single state in the union. So 
Absolutely. There is an active group of like-minded COS patriots for you in Washington State. And to get connected with them, go to cosaction.com. If you haven't already done so, sign our petition and then click on the Take Action tab for your state to get connected to your team and find out how you can help. They would love to have you. Will Springfield says, how do I sign up? Well, Will, answer is much the same. Conventionofstates.com. If you haven't already signed the petition, that's your first step. And not only does that let us know that you want to be involved, but more importantly, that petition gets sent to your state legislators to let them know that they have yet another constituent who supports an Article 5 Convention of States to propose constitutional amendments that will limit the scope and power of the federal government. So that's really important. But then take the next step. Go to the Take Action tab at conventionofstates.com. Click on the flag for your state, and you'll find out about all the different volunteer opportunities that are available and get connected to your state team. Please go ahead and do that. We need all of you working with us to restore our republic. We're going to sign off now. Don't miss next week's episode because we will be speaking to our latest Convention of States endorser. It's Missouri Congressman Eric Burleson. So you won't want to miss that interview. Tune in Tuesday at 6 p.m. Eastern time to hear his perspective on COS and how he helped Missouri join the COS movement. Also, check out The Battle Cry with COS President Mark Meckler that Sunday evening at 8 p.m. Eastern time. Now, we've got a country to save, so let's get back to work. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for listening to today's program. For information, please visit www.conventionofstates.com forward slash pod. That's www.conventionofstates.com forward slash pod.